Welcome back to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael. We're three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we spend 10 to 15 minutes telling you the stories behind some of the greatest rock and roll tunes of all times and provide you with other interesting ruminations about the songs that inspired us when we were younger. In this Rocktail Hour, Michael is going to tell us the story behind Hotel California by the Eagles. Take it away, Michael. Thanks, Tim. You know, sometimes we have a discussion about whether the songs we've picked are really one of the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time. So I thought I'd go with a sure winner. No argument here. All right. <laughs> Hotel California. I mean, let me just give you some of the stats. Uh, rolling Stone has ranked this the 49th greatest song of all time. Uh, it's eighth on Guitar Magazine's greatest solos of all times. The solo that uh, takes 49th out. greatest song of all time. Yeah, they, you know, I think they got a little uh, carried away with themselves. I would rank it certainly higher, but hey, we're in the top 50. As long as Whitesnake wasn't 47 <laughs> or 48, I'm okay. I think Bad was number one by Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to have interrupted you, Michael. Go ahead. Not a problem. So yeah, so Guitar Magazine ranks uh, the solo at the end of the song as uh, the eighth greatest guitar solo of all time. And the uh, album, Hotel California, from which the song is taken, obviously, nominated in 1977 for the Grammy uh, Record of the Year. I believe it uh, narrowly uh, lost out to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, but, you know, that's a close neck-and-neck neck race. Another think, great album. I'm sure we'll yeah. be doing a song off of Rumors in the not-too-distant future. So anyways, the story behind the song, uh, ostensibly the song is about a weary traveler who comes upon a, a hotel that from the outside looks inviting uh, and tempting, but uh, once the traveler gets into the hotel, he finds it to be somewhat of a nightmare and kind of like trying to awake from a bad dream, just cannot escape it. What the song was about metaphorically was about the excesses of the fast life in Hollywood that the band had come, uh, unfortunately, to know too well. Don Henley said that, uh, you know, basically the song is about the fast lane and, and the excesses of Hollywood, which uh, we knew something about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the song has also been described by the band members as being about the, quote, dark underbelly of the American dream. Uh, the song was written, uh, the lyrics were penned by, uh, you know, the band as they, they lived outside of L.A., but would drive into L.A. every night to record and to do shows and things like that. And you know, if you've ever uh, been in the, the L.A. area, you know, pretty much everything's outside of L.A. And when you drive in... You see the lights, uh, you know, kind of the, the dusky orange glow of the lights in Los Angeles. And, and it was those lights uh, that they would see on their drive into the city that kind of set the, the, the stage and created the tone for that song. Uh, interestingly enough, those, it was that same drive into L.A. and seeing those lights that were the kind of the origins of two other famous Eagles songs, both Life in the Fast Lane and Wasted Time. Life in the Fast Lane, obviously, having uh, the same theme as Hotel California, being, you know, kind of drawn into this Life in the Fast Lane in Los <laughs> Angeles and the drugs, the, the excess uh, that, you know, ultimately came to be a hallmark of not only the Eagles, but lots of, of rock bands in the 1970s. Fry compared the song to an episode of The Twilight Zone, where you would have 
various images kind of strewn together that didn't really make sense in the collective whole. And I think that when you see uh, you know, the story or you, you hear the lyrics about the story of Hotel California, there is this sense of, of disorientation of you know, what's really going on here. So I think Twilight Zone is a proper analogy, but it also, I think, properly evokes that feeling of a dream that you can't get out of. Uh, that you know that, that really turns into a nightmare. That's a great description. You know, this song is is fascinating um, because it spawned so many interpretations, like dreams. Uh, everybody kind of had their own interpretation of what it meant. Uh, the band spent a, spent many years dispelling those rumors of what the song <laughs> did not mean. Some of my favorite uh, debunked myths about what the song meant was that it was really about uh, Aleister Crowley's mansion in in Scotland. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it, there was also there was also an urban legend that the song was about a church that was taken over by devil worshippers. <laughs> okay, again, not uh, not true. Uh, it, some, this had to this this these stories had to have been spawned out of the eighties, wasn't there? A big deal in the eighties about every rock and roll song had something to do with satanic overtones. Tim, you took the words right out of my mouth and I was going to say that we need to do a special rock tale hour just on the songs that had uh, these kind of false, you know, urban legends about what they're supposed to be about. I remember when I was a child I was told that ACDC stood for Antichrist Devil's Children. I was told that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was told that Kiss stood for Knights in Satan's Service. Yep. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't heard that yeah. one. Of course, the, 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 it was which, which of the Beatles albums could you play backwards and hear Satanic verses on? I don't know of any album ever recorded that if you play backwards long enough, you're not going to hear something weird. <laughs> <laughs> I actually took, um, you know, I was I was told that Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven, uh, if you played it backwards, it had a Satanic message. And so I had some software. I flipped that sucker around and played it backwards 30 times and I couldn't get an intelligible word out of it. So go figure. Although now I have this irresistible urge to smoke marijuana all the time. <laughs> not, not really. You know, if my kids are listening, that's not true. That's a joke. <laughs> that, that brings up a, an interesting uh, verse or line from the song. Uh, the warm smell of colitas rising up through the air. I, I always wondered, what is colitas? <laughs> well, strangely enough, when I lived in Latin America for a year with my family, my wife, and my kids, and when my wife would do my daughter's hair, they, they would put the ponytails and they would call them colitas, right? And apparently colita means like little tail in Spanish. And, and little tail uh, is apparently you know, what a marijuana bud looks like. And so colitas is a Spanish slang for, for marijuana. Uh, so the warm smell of colitas is uh, people smoking dope. Wow. Kids, don't try this at home. Yes, and, and we want to have another disclaimer here on Rocktail Hour that uh, we do not in any respect condone uh, the warm smell of colitas. I, I but do it's have a great to lyric. Say, it is a great lyric, but now I have to say that the song is ruined for me, and let me tell you why. Not because it's a reference to marijuana, but I always didn't want to know what colitas was. I just thought it was a really cool word, so now I'm sad that I know what it means. <laughs> Uh, the, the some some of the other uh, lyrics worth noting is is uh, they stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast. The word steely there is a show of respect to the band Steely Dan. Uh, steely Dan and the Eagles had apparently a, a, like a friendly rivalry 
and uh, the two would have references to one another in their respective songs. Uh, this Steely Dan song, Everything You Did, has the line, Turn up the eagles, the neighbors are listening. And so we, I think we've seen now in a couple Rock Tale Hours these bands that have these friendly rivalries. Uh, in the podcast we did on Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama, we talked about the friendly rivalry between Leonard Skinner and Neil Young. Uh, so we see it here again in, in uh, the, the Eagles song. I thought that that was supposed to be a dig at Steely Dan, but not, huh? You think it's payment of respect? Everything I've read says that, it, that these bands uh, really appreciated one another. I, I could actually see why it would be a dig. I mean, the Eagles are, I think, have been to some or somewhat of a superficial band that plays kind of pop country rock, uh, whereas Steely Dan is musically a very serious uh, kind of uh, you know jazz rock band that I think is very highly respected for their musical talent. You know, some people might interpret it that way. I don't. I mean, the Eagles is an extremely talented band. And in fact, the way the Eagles got together as a band was that they were, they were organized as studio musicians to back up Linda Ronstadt. And so the original Eagles, you know, obviously student musicians are as good as they come actually met each other when they were brought together to back up Linda Ronstadt. I think they only did one uh, gig with Linda Ronstadt, which uh, was a, a gig at Disneyland. Uh, and <laughs> so they, they, they got out of that one and thankfully extricated themselves from Linda Ronstadt and went on to some greatness. And the rest is history. The rest is history. You know, almost every one of those guys, too, has gone on to have a phenomenal solo career, too. Yeah, I was about to say, how many bands do you have where you can have so many hit songs with a different singer each time. Yeah, I think it was probably Henley who probably went on to the most successful solo career. He had a huge hit with Boys of Summer. Actually, that whole album, I think, had three or four uh, top songs on it. The The music itself is part of, I think, the lyrics are great, but I think the music itself and the chord progressions are really probably the strongest part of the song. Uh, the, the chords were the chord progressions were written by Don Felder, and he wrote the chords, recorded them on a on a four track, sent them to Don Henley, and Henley's response to Felder was, "I really like that Mexican bolero song or the Mexican reggae song," and so in fact, the working title of the song before they had written the lyrics was Mexican reggae. Of course, the the guitar solo that we mentioned that ends the song is ranked eighth best guitar solo in the world. It's just fantastic. You've obviously done some research on this, and they say that it's the eighth best guitar solo. I'd be interested to know what they rank above this, because the only one in my mind that I would rank above this one would be um, David Gilmore and Comfortably Numb. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I would fact that Comfortably Numb guitar solo and Stairway to Heaven, maybe, um, any, any list I've ever seen of best guitar anything has Stairway to Heaven in the top three. You know, the, the band being, uh, having so much talent, I think were perhaps destined to go their separate ways, and this band, of course, did. Um, the breakup of the band was, was pretty dramatic. I think it, it really came to a head in uh, 1980 at a concert uh, in Long Beach. I believe it was July 31 of Long Beach, where the band, the tensions had, had reached a boiling point and kind of had devolved into a situation where Fry and Felder were on stage basically threatening one another about what they were going to do to the other once they got off the stage. <laughs> 
Felder's comment being, quote, only three more songs before I kick your ass, pal. <laughs> Didn't, wasn't there a famous line about how, you know, we, we're not going to get back together again until hell freezes over? That's right. And so, sure enough, uh, so they break up in roughly 1980, I believe, and it was 1994, their comeback tour, appropriately named the Hell Freezes Over Tour. Yeah. Now, wasn't, wasn't it a, a live recording from that tour of Hotel California where they opened it with a, a Spanish guitar solo? Mm-hmm. What a phenomenal introduction to, this, to that song. I think that version is almost better than the original, and I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, and I think it's true to, as, as we mentioned, to the, to the roots of the song, you know, being really written as, as a Mexican reggae tune. You know, I think that the Spanish uh, guitar was, was appropriate for uh, how they originally conceived of that song. So they, the band, after the July, uh, July 1980 concert in Long Beach uh, that I just mentioned, uh, the, the band decided to split up. But uh, unfortunately for them, they had a record contract that required that they do one more album. So, uh, you know, they decided to do the Eagles live album, perhaps because they already had the material, but it still required that they mix the material. The band couldn't be in the, especially Fry and Henley, couldn't be in the same state with one another. (laughs) So they mixed the album uh, with each being on on opposite ends of the country. Wow. I think one in New York, one in California. They basically described the album as being mixed via FedEx. Man. You, you you know what you have a, a a tense situation where the credits of the album list no less than five attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> we would like to thank our attorneys for getting us through this process. <laughs> That's fantastic. Is there really a Hotel California? There is there is a Hotel California that I've been to in Todos uh, down. If you fly into into Cabo San Lucas, you can drive, I think it's a couple hours uh, north of there, and there is a Hotel California. I think that it was named after the song, though, rather than the other way around. The album, uh, Hotel California, obviously has a very famous picture of of a hotel kind of at dusk, you know, with some beautiful lighting. That hotel is actually the Beverly Hills Hotel. And the the photographers got up in a, you know, a 60-foot cherry picker and took that picture. Cool. Okay. Is there any disagreement that this is probably the Eagles' best song? Surely the most popular song, but am I am I alone in thinking that this is their best song? You know, I th- I think it's perhaps their best. Um, the only other one that to me is is probably close would be "Take It Easy." I think the band when they got back together in I think it was perhaps '98 or so. Uh, oh, at the induction in the Hall of Fame, which I believe was 1998, they played two songs. Those two songs were Take It Easy and Hotel California. So I think they perhaps uh, would agree with my assessment that those are their two greatest. For me, it's like choosing which of my fingers I like the most. That's deep. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Which of my fingers that I like the most. Never mind. We can cut that out. But I like them all equal. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you we're not cutting that part out because it was deep. Late, late, later tonight after we're done and I've gone to bed, I'll be thinking about that and I'll get it. <laughs> I, I just remember uh, Treg and I recently went to an Eagles tribute band and I was blown away by the fact that 
the anticipation leading up to even this cover band playing Hotel California was so intense that by the time they actually played it, the crowd went wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Desperado was the name of the band. They were excellent. And, and, And as I say, the crowd was just waiting for Hotel California. And man, did they deliver too. They they were spot on. Okay, appreciate Michael taking the time to research that song. That's some interesting information behind a really classic rock and roll song. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate those that have taken the time to go out and like us on Facebook, Rocktail Hour, our page. You can contact us at dudes at rocktailhour.com and you can leave us uh, suggestions for future podcasts or any other comments that you'd like to make. Again, we appreciate your listenership, and rock on. Rock on.